Well, as we continue in our little mini-series we have here going on in the gospel, come to one of the most famous and cherished verses in all the scripture, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It's called the Great Commission. You know, other names we could call it is the, the Great Directive, the Great Order, the Great Assignment. Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. What I'd like to do now is I'd like for all of us, so have it there on the screen for us, for all of us to say this together in unison, the, the Great Commission, the Great directive. Let's read together the scriptures. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Father, now as we spend these precious moments in your word, teach us. We're open. We want to learn. Convict us. Change us. Comfort us. Encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've heard those verses probably many times. They're very important words from Jesus to his church. Very important words from Jesus to you and me. Jesus has the full authority on heaven and earth, and he commissions, he directs his followers to make disciples of all nations. He says, as you go through your life, be a disciple maker. It's not our authority, it's Jesus' authority. It's not our power, it's Jesus' power. It's not about us, it's about him who is with us always. Making disciples starts with sharing the message of the gospel. I think each one of us in here knows and accepts the reality that God wants us to share his message. And I think each one of us in here wants to share the message. We want to share the message of Jesus because we love Jesus. He's the best thing that's ever happened in our lives. Jesus commands us to share the gospel measures. I truly think that we want to share it. We want to tell people about the very best thing that's ever happened to us. So it must be happening a lot, right? We must be sharing the gospel a lot, right? Well, sadly, right, we'd have to admit that it doesn't happen a lot. We know God wants us to do it, and we really want to do it, So then why do we struggle with sharing the gospel? There are several reasons why we struggle with sharing our faith. The most common reason we struggle with sharing our faith is one simple word, fear. Usually the number one reason listed in any survey of why we don't share the gospel is fear of rejection. I think partly for the reason for this fear is the way we describe sharing the gospel. We use phrases like soul winning and bringing someone to Christ. Now, there's nothing wrong with those phrases, 
But when you mix in with that our American, you know, cultural pressure of success, our American ideal of achievement, we can start to come to the wrong conclusions. We can start to think that somehow we're responsible to see people get saved. After all, if you're not soul winning, then you must be what? Soul losing, right? We can start to think that it's our responsibility to win or to lose, and it's, it's all on our shoulders to get people to say, let me tell you something really radical. God never asked you to cause the salvation of any other person. He never asked you to do that. You know why he never asked you to do that? Because you can't. You can't do it. As a matter of fact, the, the goal of sharing our faith isn't really even to bring them to the Lord. That's not our goal because that's not a legitimate goal because there's nothing we can do to save a person's soul. Only God can save a person's soul. The outcome of sharing the gospel is totally, 100% God's responsibility. So think about this with me. Since God can only save someone's soul, and there's no way we can fail in sharing our faith. Because the goal of sharing our faith is just to simply share it. God is responsible for the outcome. He has given us the responsibility to share it. This is one area of our Christian lives where we can always succeed. Every single time succeed. Because the outcome, the result, is totally out of our control. People who don't surrender their lives to Christ, when you share the gospel with them, are not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting the truth of God's word. It's never about us. If you share the gospel with someone tomorrow, and they came to Christ, and then they became this great Christian leader and evangelist and pastor... Would you walk around pointing yourself, hey, look at what I did. Look at this amazing Christian that I did. We would never do that. It would make total no sense whatsoever. It's so clear that, that we didn't cause someone to choose Christ. Then it should also be clear that it's not our fault if they reject Christ. When it comes to saving someone's soul, it's all about the work of God. We don't get the credit for the victories. We don't get the blame for the rejections. God's command for us is to share. Success in sharing the gospel is simple. Share it. We are to demonstrably live out our faith, and we are to verbally share the truth of the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel. The results, the outcome is all up to God. The fear of rejection can be quelled when we realize that it's not about us. They aren't rejecting us. It's all about Christ. 1 Corinthians 5, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7 says, Then what is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And you see what Paul is saying here? It's not me. It's not Apollos. It's not anything to do with us. It's all to do with God and his plan 
and his spirit. Well, the next fear that we often deal with is a fear of not knowing enough. What if they ask me a question I can't answer? One survey revealed that most people whom God uses to personally lead a person to the Lord do so in the first two years after they are saved. So in other words, the people who know the least share the most. Think about that for a moment. The people who know the least of the answers share the most about their faith in Christ. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. You know, we can start to think that this verse is telling us that we need to have all the answers for all their questions. That's not what this verse is talking about. This verse says we need to be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks us for the reason, for the hope that is within us. If someone asks you, why are you hopeful? Why are you positive? Why do you work so hard at work? Why do you respond with kindness when you know that you're being used? Why, even though you're experiencing the hard times in your life, why do you still have grace? Why do you still have faith? Why do you go to church? Why do you pray before your meals? The question goes on and on and on and on. The question, the Bible says we are supposed to be prepared to talk about the hope. The hope that has changed our lives. Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're supposed to be prepared to say and answer to all those types of questions. Jesus I have hope because I have Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. That's why I have hope. That's the difference in my life. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my Savior. The point of that passage is we're supposed to be able to share the gospel message. It doesn't say we're supposed to be able to answer every deep theological question. There's great value in theological study. That's why it works for new believers, right? Those who know the least actually share it the most because the message of hope that is within them is just the simple overflowing of the truth of the message of the gospel. Now, two realities often play up this fear of not knowing enough. First is, the longer you are a Christian, guess what you realize? You realize how much you don't really know. So in an effort to grow in Christ, we can accidentally take the very simple truth of the gospel and make it more complicated than it really is. And secondly, the longer you are a Christian, often the the less non-Christian friends you have. Part of the challenge of being a mature Christian is to always to be renewing your connection to the world around us, to the non-Christian people in our lives. It's so easy to fall into the trap of this Christianized world, to create your, for yourself a Christianized bubble that you live inside us. Listen to Jesus' prayer for his disciples in John 17, 15 through 18. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me 
into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As Jesus was sent into the world, so Jesus has sent us into the world. Are you cultivating relationships with lost people in your life so that God can use you to share the gospel with them? How can they ever hear if we don't tell them? How can we tell them if they're not our friends? Another fear we have in sharing the gospel is a fear of offending. We're afraid that if we share the gospel, we're going to offend them, that we're, we're going to you know, upset them, that we're going to insult them. And sharing our faith with our closest friends and family is incredibly important. We all want our closest friends and family to know Jesus. We all believe that sharing the gospel message with our friends and family is very important. But we also know that it's hard. Very hard. We don't want to offend them because we're afraid that sharing the gospel will strain our relationship with them. And that fear is real. But if we share it with those words that 1 Peter 3.15 said, right? With gentleness and respect. Chances are not only will you be heard, even if they reject the message of the gospel, your relationship will remain. Why? Because we love our friends and family. Our love for them is not conditioned on their spiritual decisions. We love them fully before they come to Christ, just as much as we love them when they do come to Christ, or even if they reject Christ. We do that because that's what Jesus did for us. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, it says that Jesus loved us while we were still sinners. Jesus loved us while we were enemies opposed to the truth. Of the gospel. He loved us. He loved us while he was bearing the penalty of our sin on the cross to his death. He loved us. As followers of Christ, we're called to love others, just like Christ loved us. Since Christ so loved us, even when we were his enemies, even as we're opposed to him, the truth. Since Christ died for us, as 1 Peter 3.18 says, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, how can we not but love our friends and our family with the love of Christ no matter what? No matter what their spiritual decision. It just might be that your steadfast love is what God uses to soften the heart, to open up their ears, and their hearts to hear the gospel. If you stand steadfast in your love and in Christ's love for them, not only will you have the passion to share the gospel, but you'll have the ability to keep the relationship regardless of their decision. Why? Because you love them. After all, is there anyone we want more to be in heaven with God and with us? than our friends and our family. Be gentle. Be respectful. And share the gospel with your friends and family. Love them. Love them. And see what God would do. Remember, the results are all his. He's responsible for the outcome. Another fear we deal with is the 
fear of being ridiculed or the fear of being made fun of. In many countries around this world, this is a very serious fear. Real persecution comes when you share the gospel. But for the most part, that's not true in our country, and that's something to be very, very thankful for. Our fear has more to do with being ridiculed. In our age of so-called tolerance, there's a growing intolerance to the gospel message and an ever-mounting pressure to not evangelize, to, to not share the gospel. Culturally, it's more wrong to challenge someone's belief than it is to have a false or misguided or illogical belief system. Our culture says that everyone's entitled to their own beliefs, and everyone's beliefs are equally valid. Now, just think for one second about that. That is totally impossible. That is completely illogical and false. It cannot be true that everyone's beliefs are equally valid. There is truth. And because truth exists, not everything can be true. The pressure of our culture, that the intolerance for the truth can be a strong silencer for us in sharing the gospel message. We might be ridiculed. More than likely, we might be judged and made fun of. While they are being intolerant of us, they're accusing us of being intolerant. Listen to Paul's heart from Philippians chapter 3. It's a passage I go to all the time in my personal prayer life and study. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What beautiful, passionate, powerful words. Oh, that we might live with such a passion for Christ that we would see our suffering for him as nothing, nothing compared to being found to him, as nothing being compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. Another reason I think that we struggle with sharing our faith is that we've lost our first love, our passion for Christ has waned. Our passion to share the gospel has waned. Jesus describes this in Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. If you'd like to turn there, Revelation 2, 2 through 5, important words of Jesus and his evaluation of this church in Ephesus in this letter to the church in Ephesus. Jesus says to them, I know your works, your toil and patient endurance. 
He says to them, I know how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but you've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. What positive things Jesus is saying about this church that he knows of them. Then he says, but I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the works you did at first. See, you can actually be growing in your faith. You can be strong against evil, be discerning against false teaching. You can be enduring, patiently bearing up under trials in Christ's name for his sake. And yet, Jesus is calling out and saying, repent, repent. Because our love, our passion for Jesus is drying up. You see, the more clearly you see your need for a Savior, the more clearly you will see the amount of love that Jesus has for you, and the more clearly you will see that his love for us drives that passion for us to share him and to, and to know him and to serve him and to love him. The more clearly we see the amazing forgiveness and grace that Jesus showed us through his death on the cross, through his resurrection from the dead, the more clearly we will see our own desperate need of salvation and reignite our first love. One of the most important things about sharing the gospel is to regularly share the gospel with yourself. To stay in tune with the reality of what has happened in our lives through Jesus Christ, who he is and who we are. See, then we'll more clearly see the world and see the people around us as Jesus sees them through eyes of love and compassion. We see our co-workers and our friends and our neighbors and families through the eyes and the heart of Jesus. We'll see their lost souls. We'll see their eternal destinies hanging in the balance. We'll see the ultimate hopeless position they have before God. And driven by love for Christ, driven by his compassion, we'll share the gospel message with them. Would you get in touch with your first love for Christ? You become like a new believer. And you can't help but talk about him. He just bubbles over in life. It's just like those early days of the church. Acts 4.20. It's a great verse. It says, we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. See, that's... That's the passion, that's the energy, that's the excitement, the, the life of a new believer. And for us that have been a believer for many years, to reignite our first love. How can we overcome our fears and become obedient to God and sharing the message of the gospel? How can we reignite our passion for the lost? Well, I'm going to talk about five keys to reigniting a heart to share Jesus. I got these five keys from a book called Sharing Christ Without Fear. The first key to reignite a heart to share Jesus is passion. 
Just what we've been talking about, passion. Passion is a strong desire or devotion for something. A deep desire or interest in something. To be passionate is to care deeply, deeply enough to take action. I am a fan of the Chicago Cubs. As a matter of fact, just earlier this very morning, I was talking about the Chicago Cubs. I follow the record. I watch games every now and then. But a passionate Chicago Cubs fan knows all the players, knows all the batting averages and all these amazing statistics they have nowadays. They know all the pitchers and their ERAs, and they watch as many games as they possibly can. See, to be passionate is to take it to that next level. To be passionate is not to be a fan, but to be a follower. Take it to that next interest and action. Jesus' death on the cross is called the passion. Why is it called the passion? Because he took his desire, his devotion, his life, his caring to the most ultimate level of expression ever. Paul expresses his passion for the lost in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. He says, for though I'm free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I came as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things, to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul had a purpose, Paul had a passion, and it drove him. Share the gospel. Do whatever it takes to be obedient to the great directive. Why? All for the sake of of the gospel, all for the sake of the message of Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 11 challenges all believers to never be lacking in our zeal, but to keep up our spiritual fervor. One of the great truths about being a passionate believer is that when you are passionate about sharing the gospel, you're going to have a greater awareness of the opportunities that are around you that God is supplying for you to actually share the gospel. Our passion will help us open our eyes to the possibilities before us. Instead of asking, should I talk to this lost person about Christ? A passionate believer has already made the decision. And then the question comes, how am I going to talk to this lost person? How am I going to share the best thing, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me? How am I going to share Jesus with this person? Not if... But how? A passion for the lost will truly help us overcome our fears. The next key is prayer. Matthew 9, 35 through 38 says, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, 
but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Nothing is more important to developing a heart to share the gospel than prayer. Prayer makes all the difference. It's through deep and honest prayer that we can truly combat our fears. Sharing the gospel doesn't require intense training. Sharing the gospel doesn't require extensive theological education because it's a supernatural work. It's through prayer that we connect with what God is doing in the supernatural. Prayer deepens our relationship with Christ. Prayer is one of the primary ways of transforming our lives to get in step with what Christ is doing. Prayer prepares your mind and your heart for any encounter to share the gospel. Are we praying what Jesus asked us to pray? Are we praying that prayer? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Do you pray that the Lord would send you out into his harvest field? That the Lord of the harvest Just think what would happen if we prayed that prayer. Just think what would happen in our lives, in our church, in our community. Just think if 120 people got passionate about praying to God, to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his field. God would open up our eyes. We'd see a harvest field that we've never seen before. He'd put opportunities in our lives that we'd never imagined before. And we'd readily be sharing the truth of the gospel message. Praying that prayer would change us, would help us to be obedient to the great directive. Prayer is vital for our preparation to share. The next key to having a heart to share the gospel is partnership. This is one of the coolest things about our relationship with Jesus. He could do it all without us. He could do everything without us. But instead, he wants to do his work in us and through us. The God of the universe doesn't need us for anything. We offer nothing. Double nothing. Triple nothing. Multiply it by anything you want. Guess what we're offering? Nothing. And he could do it so much better without us. Yet God in his wisdom and in his grace... He's chosen to work through his people. From the very beginning of the scripture, God's design has always been to bring about his plan on earth through his people. In a great passage in John 15, Jesus uses the imagery of a vine and the branches to describe this partnership. He says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the strength. Jesus is the sustenance. But we're the branches. We're the ones that actually get to bear the fruit. But we can't bear fruit on our own because we're just branches. We need to be connected to the true vine. And then a branch 
can bear fruit. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But connected to him, we can bear much fruit. Remember that Jesus said in the great directive, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. And then he said, behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus has all the authority. Jesus has all the power. Jesus has all the ability. And then he says he's with us. Jesus wants to exercise his ability to bring people to salvation. And the way that he has chosen to do that is through you. That's his plan. Through you and through me. Through his church. Salvation is a supernatural work of God. And he's chosen for us. To use us as messengers of the gospel. The next key is power. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For what is the gospel? It's the power of God to salvation. To everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek. Everyone. The gospel message is the power. The power is not in some certain way we might present the gospel. The power is not in some kind of persuasive words or three-point plans. The power is the truth of the message of the gospel itself. There's no one best way to share the gospel message. There are thousands of ways. There's one power. The power is not in the presentation. The power is in the message itself, the gospel. Power number one is the gospel message. Power number two is the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that old high school cheerleading cheer? Do you remember that? We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? And the other side would chant back and we'd chant and they'd chant. Guess what? We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. Folks, think about that for a moment. As believers, we have the Holy Spirit. The message is the power. The Spirit is the power. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit gives us the power, just like it did in that early church, to be witnesses for Jesus. These two powers are the greatest prescription for easing our fears. The power of the gospel is not our words, but it's the truth of the gospel itself. It's not in our presentation. It's in Jesus. And the power, the ability to be a witness for Christ is not from us, but it's from the Spirit who's within us. When you mix our obedience, our love, our devotion, our passion with God's power, with God's message, with his spirit, God does things. Supernatural things that change eternal lives. God wants to use you to introduce Jesus to people who don't know him. And all the power that we need to do that, he supplies. It's him. It's not us. The last key to having a heart to share the gospel is preparation. Even with passion and prayer and partnership and power, we still need to be prepared. Colossians 4, 
5 and 6 says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We're to be prepared to share the reason for the hope that is within us. We need to be able to share clearly and plainly the gospel message. We need to be able to give an answer to people about what Jesus has done for us and what he wants to do for them. And preparation is important, and preparation is not hard. There are multiple ways to learn to share your faith. Remember we talked about a few weeks ago, brought up again last week, the four main characters of the gospel message as a way of presenting God, mankind, Jesus, you, God, holy, just, separate from sin, mankind, sinner, separated from God, Jesus, Savior, and us with a decision to make. We're going to talk in detail. All next week's sermon is about point number five, preparation. We're going to give some very concrete uh, challenges and, and preparation for us next Sunday. So here's the reality. Salvation is totally the work of God. God is responsible for the outcome. And God is the one with the power. But God has chosen to spread his message through us. So the challenge for us is how are we doing an older gentleman was walking along the seashore one day, and it was a hot, sunny morning, and as he walked, he was sweating profusely, and he seemed to be in a hurry. Every few steps, he bent over, picked up a starfish from the hot, burning sands, cast it back into the cool waves. One after another, after another, after another, he'd pick up the starfish, cast him into the water, back into safety and life. Young man came along. After having watched this for a while and told that old man, you're wasting your time, old man. You're wasting your energy. There are thousands of starfish on the sand. What difference can you possibly make? The old man seemed to ignore the younger man. He simply bent over and picked up another starfish and threw it into the water. As quickly moved on to the next one, the old man turned to the younger man and said, well, it sure made a difference for that one. See, God wants us to make a difference. God wants to use us to make an eternal difference. God wants to use you to help a person go from death to life, to help a person go from outside of the family of God to become a child of God. God wants to use you to move a person from being an enemy, positioned for the wrath of God, to being a son or a daughter, positioned for the greatest blessings a human could ever have. That's the gospel. And that's what he wants to do with us. Let's pray together. Father, now we just want to thank you. We want to thank you so much that this message that is so 
powerful and so real and so true is in us. We got it. You gave it to us. You enlightened our our minds, our hearts. You convicted us of our sin. Your Holy Spirit moved us and we saw the truth and we accepted the truth. And it changed everything about us. I want to thank you for that. If you're here today, this morning, right now, and that testimony of prayer that I just said is not true of you, that you couldn't right now share that, that same emotion, that same thank you and praise to God because you've never come to that moment of faith and obedience. You've never looked at Jesus in the face and said, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising again in victory over sin and death and hell. And I pledge my life to you. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. It's my privilege now to be in your family and to serve you forever. If you've never done that, do that right now. Pray it right now in your own words, from your own heart. As the Holy Spirit is convicting you and challenging you, don't resist. Give in to the truth of the gospel. And if you do that, if you do that this day, please come talk to me about it. Lord, we just want to thank you. You're awesome. Challenge us and change us. Lord, reignite our first love. We come before you desperately praying. Reignite our first love. In Jesus' name.